0: In John chapter 13, I, it, this, this really, uh, what God has for us tonight, it really goes with Mary's song. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. But anyways, in John 13, we look at verse uh, 31. But before we do John 13, I want to read these verses. Okay, and then we can read those others. So in John the first chapter we see this. In verse fourteen, this is what it says. And the Word, and this is speaking of who Christ is, the Word was made flesh. And we've said before, He tabernacled, God who God the Son, who always is and always was, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And this, this is what he was. He was full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that came after me is, prefer, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And verse 16 says this, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. The Greek says grace heaped up upon grace, and just keeps heaping it up upon grace. And here's what it says in verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So in John 13, John 13 says this in the 31st verse. Therefore, when he was gone out, and in this instance, he's been betrayed by Judas. In Psalm 41, verse 9, it says that my old familiar friend has lifted up or kicked up his heel against me. That's very interesting when we think about the promise that was given to Adam and Eve in Genesis the third chapter, after they had fallen, there was a promise that was given to Jesus Christ. And that promise was that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, but that the serpent would bruise his heel. And of course, Judas, being uh, motivated and inhabited by Satan to go against Christ, would lift up his heel against him. Now that's the backdrop. And that's what uh, Christ knew. He knew him, uh, that he was the one that was going to do it. Yet he still covered him. But in the 31st verse it says this, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man... Glorified. And God is glorified in Him. Why would He say that right then? Why would He say in John 17, verse 4, I have finished the work. I have glorified God. Even before He got to the cross, even before He went there, that's what He was saying. He was saying he is already, because in John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My meat, my very sustenance, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And that's a key verse we want to keep in mind as we share uh, more of what God has for us tonight. So verse 32 says, If God be glorified in him, if and he is and was, then God will also glorify him in himself and will straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Where I go, you cannot come where Jesus was going to go, no one could come. There wasn't anything that anyone could do about it. Not his disciples, not anyone in the whole Bible, not anyone here. Not even Myron. (laughs) He couldn't. None of us could. He was going to a place, he said, I'm going and, and you can't come. And I'm saying that to you right now. And then he said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this all will know that you are my disciples. All will know that you literally think like me because of the life, my life, that I'm going to lay down and give to you. You will think like me, and you will receive my love for you. And in receiving my love for you, you will be able to love each other. Then Simon Peter, here he goes, he's he's piping up again. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him and said, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me. You can't follow me. And of course, none of us could follow him there because he was going to the cross. You cannot follow me now. That's what he said to Peter because Peter was speaking in his own sufficiency. Peter was speaking in his own self-confidence. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.5 that our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but it's of God. And in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, it says, Who is sufficient for these things? And, of course, there is only one. There is only one. And that was Jesus. That's why he was the only one that could go there. And no one, until he went there and would accomplish and finish the work of his Father, could any then thereafter follow him. Peter said unto him, Lord... Why can't I follow you now? (laughs) I want to follow you now. Does that sound like any of us? (laughs) Lord, we want this, and we want it now. And all of us, with the greatest virtue about us, we are all very patient, aren't we? (laughs) I'm sure we all are very, very patient. But Peter said, why can't I follow you now? Why can't I do something with you? That's what he was saying. Why can't I do something with you? And then he said this, I will lay down my life for your sake. What was really going on? Jesus Christ was going to go to the cross and lay down his life for Peter so that then Peter, with that life that was given to him, could follow him. And that's what makes, obviously, a great leader. A great leader is a great follower of Jesus. A true servant, a true pastor, will always bring bring Christ to the forefront. And he will, in that sense, disappear. And just Christ will be in their midst. So Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Truly, truly, I say unto you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. You're going to deny me three times. But right away he said this, and this is what he says to us. Of course, can we do anything without him? Well, John 15 Verses 1 through 5, especially verses 4 and 5, says, says that. And in verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine. He's the true vine, meaning He's the source. Meaning we cannot do a single thing without Him. Except the, the branches abide in the vine, no more can you abide in Me. He has to do it all. But even when we speak... In thoughts that aren't from Him, like we can do something for Him. Well, then, why did Jesus have to come? Why did He say in John 10, verse 7 and verse 9, why did He say that He came to do the will? To put away the first? Who's the only one that could ever fulfill? the will of God the Father. It would have to be, and it was only Jesus Christ. But even in our attempts of trying, remember the guy in Romans the seventh chapter? There's 40 times we've said before where the references I, me, myself. <laughs> That's a great company, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great but group of people to be with. I, me, and myself. <laughs> But only the end of that can be is, oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from being separated from Christ, who is my life? And then he had to say it. Oh, in verse 25 of Romans 7. I thank God through Jesus Christ. I thank God. Then he could say this. Let not your heart be troubled. Because that's immediately what he's saying. There are no chapters and verses in the original language in the Bible, in the Koine Greek. There aren't any. So immediately he said to Peter, listen, you're going to deny me three times. And the reason you will is because you're going to try and do something for me. And the only way that you can do that is to rely on your flesh, which is going to fail you and it's going to fail me, but immediately said, let not your heart be troubled. What happens when we fail? What are we to do? What's the first thing? And I'm sure we all do this right away. We immediately set our mind on God. We don't set our mind on our failure and how we blew it and all these negative things. No, we would never do that, I'm sure. But really, what does Jesus say? What is he encouraging him? And what is he encouraging us tonight? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. What is he saying? Do you remember what he said to Peter? Not one time did he say to Peter, you know, when Peter was making all these boasts, all you hear is Jesus saying to him, really? You're going to lay your life down for me? In all these synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even in places in John, we read that he's going to lay, but you know, in other words, you think you're going to do something for me? <laughs> you really think you're going to do something for me? And by doing it, you're going to add something to me? Well, not until Peter was absolutely at his. Worst, when he thought it was over for him, do you remember what happened when Jesus, in Luke 22, verse 61, while while he was being led away after Peter denied him the third time, and then he heard the little the little rooster go, and I and I bet I bet you the rooster did it three times uh, 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 <laughs> to, to match his three denials, right? You should probably write that down. That is really deep. (laughs) But as he was being led away, Christ was being led away, he made eye contact with Peter. He made eye contact with him. And that look was, in his love, let not your heart be troubled, Peter, because I'm going to the cross... And not only will I pay for all your failures and all your denials and all your sins, but I will also give you my life. And when you receive my life, then my life in you will follow me. Because I'm the true vine. And without me, Peter, you can do nothing. And we can do nothing without him. That's why Paul said in Romans 7, verse 18, I know in me that's in my flesh dwells what? No good thing. What are we going to rely on? What do we rely on when we think we can do something for God? Apart from Jesus Christ, what is it? We rely on what? No good thing. Why is it no good? Because it's going to fall short and it's going to fail. But he said to Peter, And then you see in Matthew 26, verse 75, that Peter went out, that look from Jesus of love, without condemning him, that look. It says, after that look, then Peter went out, it says, and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And then we look at the scene in John chapter 21, and Peter being the leader that he was, when he ceased to follow Jesus Christ, the gift of him being a leader was not taken away. But he just simply said to all the others, in John 21 verse three, I'm going fishing. In other words, it's over for me. I denied him, I failed him. I didn't come through for him. How many of us have thought that way? When we thought we should have been the mature Christian, or oh, we thought we should have really done something great for God and seemed to be doing good, then all of a sudden we failed. Did you know that God knew it all along? And he was going to use that failure in all of us to show us that we couldn't do anything apart from him. But yet he would come in and say, don't let your heart be troubled. I don't want your heart to be troubled. You, you believe in God, believe in me. And so then when Peter said, I'm going fishing, the leader that he was, all the others followed him. (laughs) Remember what Jesus said when he first met them? In Matthew 4, verse 19, and in Mark 1, verse 17, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You follow me. I will give you my life to follow me, and then my life in you will make you will make you fishers of men. My life in you will be the source that will do it. That's why Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Yes, it's in us. We have this treasure, Christ. It's in us. But it's of God. Meaning we must rely on him. The law, remember what we saw in John 1 verse 17, the law was given by Moses, right? But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Why? Because the law says in Deuteronomy 4 verse 1, you do this and you'll live. You don't and then what happens? You die, you experience death, right? Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Peter, with the others, he's backslidden, right? He's backslidden. He's fishing. And guess who's on the shore preparing a meal for them? The first one that notices him is John, the Apostle John. Then he says it's the Lord. And Peter, where is he? He's backslidden. He's denied the Lord, right? He's done all of that. And what is Jesus doing? He's on the shore preparing him a meal. He wants to sup with him. So Peter outruns John, he hears it's Jesus, and he runs. And then we have that conversation in John 21, verses 15 to 17, and this is what he begins to say to Peter. He says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Remember what you said? Do you remember how you said that you would love me more than them, more than any person, and that you would lay your life down? Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. He said, you know, you you know that I love you, Lord. He said at the second time. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the words in the Greek was, you know that I have an affection and a love of a friendship. But the love that Jesus was saying to him was this, when he first said it to Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me with agape love? Do you love me with a love that's self sacrificing, that will put others, that that will allow you to put others before yourself? That you in Philippians 2 verse 3 will esteem others better than yourself. And in Philippians 2 verse 4 you won't look on your own things but you will also look on the things of others. That's what you'll do. And you will allow that mind to be in you. A self-sacrificing love that doesn't love so that you will do something. But it loves you because of who he is. In other words, Christ loves us because of who he is and he loves Peter not from what Peter could do or what he couldn't do and that's why Galatians 5 verse 6 says this neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything and the King James says but a faith that express that works by love you know what the Greek says and this is this is the Ed Wagner interpretation of Galatians (laughs) 5 verse 6 it's neither circumcision, or in other words, it's not what I do. And we emphasize on that, don't we, in our relationship with Jesus. Right? It's not what, what I do. And we relate to that. Jeez, I, sh- I should do that. I can't do this. And that should take God by surprise, right? That we couldn't do anything, you know? That's why he sent his son nor uncircumcision, what we don't do. But it's a faith, and faith means absolute dependence upon Jesus Christ and what he's done, that expresses itself through love. In other words, I can trust him. I can lean on him for everything because I know he loves me with a self-sacrificing love that not only would he give me everything that he could, but he would give me himself. Can you imagine if a a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, and this would be great to imagine sometimes, came up to you and I and said, I've got $50 million. That's all I have. I've got $50, but I'm going to give you $50 million. We would be like stunned, wouldn't we? But then the guy would say, the millionaire would say, and not only that, I'm going to give you myself. I'll be your servant. I'll, I'll be your servant. I'll serve you. That's a copy of love. That's what he was saying to Peter. Then he asked, said it to Peter a third time in John 21, verse 17. Peter, do you love me more than these? And finally Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know. And I know that I don't love you the way that I should. I, I know that. That's why John the Apostle could write in 1 John 4, verse 10, Herein is love. And remember, we've always said, God is love, right? Love isn't God. There is no love without God, because God is love, period. <laughs> so herein is love, not That we loved him. You know what? That's where the enemy comes in and wants us to emphasize on that. See? You wouldn't do that. Or you would do this if you loved him. (laughs) But the emphasis is this in 1 John 4.10. Herein is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And that's where all our value lies in His love for us. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. When He was saying that, and I've read many scholars over the years, and and by the grace of God, in my 40 years of studying the Word of God, there are many scholars that would say, well, it, it was... He was probably referring to Peter when he said, I, I, I really, his boast was in himself. They, really what Peter was saying is maybe they don't, but I love you more and I will prove it by laying my life down for you. And of course, obviously we know that he couldn't do it. He couldn't follow. And that's why Jesus said that in that 13th chapter of John. Where I'm going right now, you can't follow me. Listen, nobody could do only what he could do. The emphasis wasn't anything other than Jesus Christ. That's where all our value is. We search for value. don't? And, and God does not want us to search for value outside of Jesus Christ. And we have, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you have that treasure in you. There's all the value that you are. And remember, that treasure that's in that little fragile clay jar, because we said before, back then, they didn't have banks. They didn't have Berkshire Bank and, and uh, Greylock, Federal Credit Union. They didn't have it. So they took their, their prized possessions, their treasures, put them in these fragile clay jars and buried them in the ground. And over a period of time, that treasure that was in that vessel would rub off on the vessel. See? and That's what Paul was saying. Listen, listen. Your value and my value is in the treasure. It's in us, but it's not of us. See, it's in us. Everything we need is in us, but it isn't of us. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves. We're not sufficient to try and do anything. That's why Christianity is not due <clears throat> But receive what's already been done. So finally, he said to Peter, Do you love me more than these? And that's when Peter finally said, You know, you know, Lord, you know all things, and you know I don't love you the way that I should. So finally, when he came to that place, and that's the place that God has to bring us, there's where he could say, Feed my sheep. Because what he was trying to say to Peter was this. Peter, what's the one thing that you've done and you're trying to do or trying not to do? (laughs) What have you done? you failed. And what he was saying was this, and this is what he wants all of us to hear tonight, is that, do you love me? Will you make my love for you more of a focus on a greater thing than your failures. Would you? Because when you do, if you do, when you do, when you feed on my love, then you'll feed my sheep. When you feed on me, then you'll feed my sheep. That's when he said, feed my sheep. He didn't say it to Peter until Peter was at the end of himself. Basically, he said, I'm done. Remember the father of our faith, Abraham, right? He's the father of our faith in terms of absolutely depending and trusting in Jesus Christ, who was to come. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament was teaching these Old Testament people that their faith was looking forward to the cross. And of course, after Christ finished the work, our faith looks back. And we all meet at the cross, the place where Christ accomplished everything that you and I could never even begin to try to do, ever. It's, listen, it isn't about doing. It's never about doing. It isn't. It's about receiving what's already been done. That's what it is. Even when Peter failed, did did he take away the gift of Peter being a leader? Once he saw, once he saw that the greatest thing that he could do that would glorify God would be to receive Christ as his strength. You know what? Then he went out and he, in his first message, in Acts 2, verse 41, through Christ in him, being that treasure that was being manifested, he preached his first message, and 3,000 people came to Christ. <laughs> yeah, he was feeding the sheep. Peter was feeding the sheep because he had a steady diet now of not feeding on himself. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't feeding on his failures. He wasn't feeding on the lies of who he wasn't in Christ. He was feeding on Jesus Christ's love for him. And then he could pour out and 3,000 souls would come. And then in Acts four four, he preached a second message and 5,000 souls came to Christ. Can you imagine two messages and there's 8,000 people received Christ. Why? Because the power of the love and life of Christ was flowing through a weak vessel. We have this treasure. Everybody in this room has that treasure. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you have that treasure in your vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God. Imagine we have all of God's power through Christ in us. Oh, oh, But I can't do it. That's right. None of us can. None of us can do it. But who's done it? Who finished the work in John 19, verse 30? Okay. When he finished the work, and here's where we can rest. Here's the glory. Because do you think God the Father had himself invested in what his son was going to accomplish? Did he meet all the righteous requirements of the justice and holiness of God when he finished the work? Did he completely satisfy the Father? Did he take care of the Father's righteousness, his integrity, his justice? Yeah. And then did he do it for us when we received him? Do you see how secure it is? What we have in Christ in that treasure is incredible in terms of our security because it was enough to completely satisfy everything in God's own nature, God's Father's own nature, for him to be completely and utterly satisfied. He's the only one that could do it. Do we love him And he might might ask us that tonight. Do you love me more than these? What are the these? Are they our struggles? Are they what we try to entertain? What we're like in his sight? Oh, and by the way, if you've received Christ as your Savior, okay, God's sight of you is Christ. You and Christ because each one that receives him he comes in and he becomes one with you right that treasure rubs off on the vessel and they become one become one god's sight of you and i is jesus christ that's right and how does he see us tonight if christ is our life and when i checked recently he was because Colossians 3, verse 4 says, Christ who is our life. You know, that's why we teach that we are not trying to live the Christian life. You know, that's what Peter was trying to He was trying to live the Christian life. You know what? You're not going to have, and I wouldn't have any fun trying to live the Christian life because it would not only be like too hard, <laughs> it would be impossible. That's why Christ went to the cross and that's why in John 15:13 and in 1 John 3:16 he laid his life down for us. Because when we receive him we take up that life. And his life in us is the one that finished it. And by the way, he finished it for each one personally. Okay, so it's not hard to live the Christian life. It's impossible because Christ is our life. I am not trying to live the Christian life. That's Romans 7. You see the guy there? All the things that I know that I should do, I don't do. I, 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 all I do is mess up. And what did he say? What did he say? When I would do good, in Romans 7, verse 21, what he said, is evils present with me. Why? Because what we're trying to rely on outside of Christ and ourselves is what? (laughs) It's something that's going to fall short. So who did for us, before God, what only he could do? That's Jesus Christ. That's why John the Baptist would cry out, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He said it in John 1:29. He said it in John 1, verse 36. Behold the Lamb. That's why, finally, we're all going to be singing that song, those that are born again, those that have received Christ, we're all going to be <coughs> a part of that heavenly chorus in Revelations, the fifth chapter, We're going to be singing that song in the ninth verse, Worthy is the Lamb. And then finally tonight, Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore, lay apart every what? Wait. Do you think, and some some of us think, and some some of us have been taught that there's certain things that we need to do. For God, and that what all they are are weights. Wherefore, lay aside every weight. Are we struggling? Is there an area of weakness? Is there is there an area where we so want to experience the overcoming life of Christ? Uh, are we carrying that weight? That weight is not sin in itself. It isn't. It's a weight. We're struggling over someone, a loved one, or something in our life, a weakness we don't seem to be able to get rid of. What does is, what is, what is the word say? Lay aside every weight. And then what does it say? And the sin which does so easily beset you. You know what happens when we carry weights that we weren't designed to carry, or oh, by the way, in Psalm 103, verse 14, he knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. Can you imagine dust trying to carry some pig weight? Trying to bear something? Who's the burden bearer? Who's the only one? It's Jesus Christ. He took all of our burdens with him on Calvary. He knew every single one. by the way, in John 10, verses 3 and 4, If you've received Christ as your Savior, you're His sheep. And He knows His sheep, by the way. And He calls you by name. You know what He's saying. You come here. You've got a burden? Come here. Matthew 11. You come here. Yep, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. You come here. Are you being anxious about something? Well, in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, that's your care, in the King James, but it's your anxiety, upon Him. Why? For He cares for you. What does that mean? He's the only one that can do something about it. But what happens when we carry weights that we weren't designed to carry? They lead to us trying to do something about it and the only way that we can do it is what? Relying on ourselves and sooner or later we're going to what? We're going to fail, we're going to sin. That's why it says lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you, and run with patience the race that's set before you. And then the second verse says this. And then the King James and certain, excuse me, translations will say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. The Greek says this, literally says, looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. You know what distracts us from looking to Jesus? You and I are trying to do something about these weights. (laughs) That's right. It leads us right away from Him. Right? And when we're led away from Him, what happens? We begin to what? When we don't come through, what do we do? We begin to fear. We begin to fear. And is there any fear in love? In 1 John 4.18, there's no fear in love. Because perfect love, love that's complete. That's why he said in John 14, 1, Listen, you're going to deny me three times, but let not your heart be troubled. And neither what? Be afraid. Do you believe in God? Well, believe in me. Because he sent me to take care of the trouble and those things that would cause you fear and those weights that you're trying to carry I've dealt with. So you come unto me. So we need to look away from all that would distract. And then what's that? That's called self help. <laughs> the bookstores are full of them. It's called the self help stuff. <laughs> and we look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. Amen? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth of who we are in you. That's why you had to say, and you did say it, I am the way, there's no other way, I am the truth, there's no other truth, and I'm the life. He's the life. He's our life. No man comes unto the Father but by Me. And in Him now, what He said to Mary, at the graveside, the sepulcher, in the garden. I'm going to my Father and your Father. I'm going to my God, in John 20, verse 17, and your God. And Lord, show us continually, we need to know that you love us more than anything that we've ever done. And that love that loves us more than anything that we've ever done has dealt with it. And you have removed it as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, verse 12. And you don't deal with us after our sins in Psalm 103, verse 10. You don't. Because Jesus Christ dealt with it. And when we feed on your love, when we feed on Jesus... We feed and we build ourselves up on our most holy faith and we keep ourselves in the love of God. We feed ourselves and then we can feed others. In Jesus' name, amen.